Good morning, friends. I hope this finds you doing well today. In the Bible, the longest book is the book of Psalms. There are 150 different Psalms within that one single book. By far the most familiar and most beloved of the Psalms is the 23rd Psalm. It's this uh, six short verses that have given comfort and hope and encouragement and courage to people for over 3,000 years. The Psalm was penned by King David. It's this personal, intimate declaration of a profound trust in God. And David had been a shepherd as a boy, and he drew on this um, experience as a shepherd and talked about the analogy of the relationship between a shepherd and his sheep. And people in his time would know that, that sheep needed a shepherd. Sheep needed a shepherd. In both the Old Testament and the New, it would talk about the dire straits sheep would be in if they had no shepherd. In fact, in Mark chapter 6, 34, talks about Jesus seeing this crowd of people coming, and it said he had deep compassion upon them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And so in this psalm of six verses, verse one makes this, um, this declaration of faith, and it's supported in the following five verses by, by six truths. And I didn't expect this coming in. I thought we would I'd teach on it, and you could focus on it for an hour and for the day, and and glean all we had. But what I've seen in this is that in this statement itself, in the six following truths, if you and I were to let each of those soak deeply for a time, we could be changed in how we see things, how we think, how we feel, and how we act. And so this is how I think you and I might get the most out of this. I will teach on all six verses today, but I would encourage you to focus mostly today on the very first verse this declaration of faith. And, and later on today, come back to what I teach on this verse and, and let that soak deeply into your being and let God transform you around verse one. And then tomorrow I'll take the very first of the six truths that support. And uh, tomorrow I would encourage you to look at that and let that soak in deeply. Tuesday, take the second one and so on until Saturday you've been through all six of them. And so it could be a, a week of devotionals, a week of deep change for you and me. And so this is where the psalm begins, and this is where I would encourage you to, throughout this day, let this soak in into your thoughts and into your heart. The psalm begins by saying, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. The Lord is my shepherd. The quality of life that a sheep experiences is directly dependent upon the skill and commitment of the shepherd. Let me say that again, very important. The quality of life a shepherd experiences is directly dependent upon the skill and the commitment of the shepherd. So David is saying, the Lord is my shepherd. And speaking to the skill that his shepherd had, he would be keenly aware that, that the Lord is the one who created the entire cosmos, the heavens and the earth, everything created by God. Psalm 8 is one of those psalms that David would write, reflecting upon the, the grandeur of what God has created, the one who's created everything. David would be aware also that, that God also personally, intimately created him. Psalm 139, David writes about how, God, you created every single thing about me. You know me better than I know myself. This is the one who is my shepherd. He would know that, that his shepherd had all knowledge, 
all wisdom, all power, all righteousness, perfect love. His shepherd is eternal and unchanging. He would know that. He would know his shepherd in terms of skill was unmatched, was infinite in skill as a shepherd. He would know all that. He would know that God, his shepherd, was deeply committed to him. And you and I living in 2020, so we're living in the time of the New Testament. We're living in the time after Jesus has come and died and risen. We would know even more so the commitment of this shepherd he speaks of. Jesus would say in John 10, verse 11, he would say, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. David would say, the Lord is my shepherd. He is the one with infinite skill and infinite commitment to me as his sheep. Now, now here's the deal for us and actually for the whole planet is that Jesus came to offer to be shepherd for every single person on the planet. That's why he came. That is his offer. But one only becomes one of his sheep when someone begins a life of trusting him, surrendering leadership to him. His, his offer is to every single person, but one becomes a sheep by saying to Jesus, I want to begin a life of trusting you, surrendering leadership to you. When one does that, that then they can say, the Lord is my shepherd. Can you say that? Can you say that with deep certainty because you've begun to trust and to surrender leadership? The Lord is my shepherd. David would then say, because of that, I have all that I need. I have all that I need. And David would experience hunger at times and thirst at times and be held captive at times. And he would say, I have all that I need. Paul would pick up this theme in Philippians 4.19, and Paul would be writing from prison, so he was being held captive. And, and Paul would be talking about how God has met his every need. He would say, the same God who takes care of me will supply all of your needs from his righteous, glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Paul would at times be hungry and thirsty and even now held captive, and he would say, God's promises, if he's your shepherd, he will provide every single need that you have. That phrase, I have all that I need, is translated in the King James Version to I shall not want. And it speaks to this sense of contentment, and David would mean that, Paul would mean that as well, this sense of contentment, saying, I will be satisfied, Lord, with whatever you have allowed me to have. I'll be satisfied with whatever you have allowed me to have. I will be content. You are my shepherd. You meet all of my needs. I, I will not want. I will be content. As for me, I found it helps so much if I focus on what I have versus what I don't have. I found it helps me so much if my prayers begin with thanking God for all he's done and then, secondly, asking God for my needs. Thanking first and asking second. David would say, I have all that I need. So here's my question for you to ponder throughout this day. Can you say with David, the Lord is my shepherd, and because of that, I have all that I need. I shall not want. I will be content. Now, the rest of the psalm now begins to take these, these uh, six supportive truths and really begin to describe what his shepherd provides to him. 
And so these are the, the places I would encourage you for this very first truth to take this one on Monday and focus on this. Let it soak in. On Monday, take, take verse 2 in the beginning of verse 3. In, in essence, the promise is that the shepherd refreshes and refuels me. He refreshes and refuels me. The passage says, he lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. Green meadows, the shepherd provides food. Quiet streams, he provides water. He provides rest. I couldn't help but think about what Jesus would say in Matthew eleven twenty eight. He would say, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Jesus, the shepherd today, refreshes and refuels. He leads along paths that would give us refreshment and refueling. What are those paths? One of the key ones is the pathway of Sabbath, of taking one day a week, one day out of every seven, and having that day dedicated toward drawing near to God and resting. Simply two things, draw near to God and rest. For most, that would be Sunday. Integral to that, his place of, of uh, resting is within the church. So for most of you, Sunday's your logical Sabbath, and you get to be part of, of the church you could be part of this fellowship of Christ followers. There's this place of refreshment and refueling on a Sunday morning as the church. It would mean uh, the extension of the church in small groups as well. He provides refreshment and refueling in the fellowship of small groups as well. He also provides this pathway of what many call a daily quiet time with God in prayer and scripture. It means having some quiet time nearly every day that's set aside and, and that is unhurried, that's spent in reading some scripture and having conversation with God. These are the, the paths that he would lead us along. These are the green meadows. These are the quiet streams that provide rest. So tomorrow I would encourage you to take this declaration. He refreshes and refuels me. Take this verse. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. And, and ask this question, am I resting in the green meadows and quiet streams the shepherd provides for me? Am I taking advantage of the green meadows and quiet streams he's providing for me? The second supporting truth about what the shepherd provides is this, and this would be your focus on Tuesday. He guides me along right paths. The end of verse 3 says, He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. King James Version translates that. He, he guides me along paths of righteousness. In other words, he, the shepherd takes his sheep and he shows them where to place their feet, where the next step should be. He shows them to take a good step versus a bad step, a helpful step versus a damaging step, a holy step versus a sinful step. He's faithful to show us the right paths, the righteous paths, the paths that would lead us into this fullness of life in him. How does he do it? First and primarily through time in scripture, in prayer, it's the clearest place he lays out for you and me. It's this gift of gold for us about how to, how to lay out our steps in any given day. It's through scripture and prayer, this, this conversation with God around scripture that he shows us the path to walk down. It's through the Holy Spirit's leading when the Holy Spirit brings Scripture to mind and gives you application of Scripture, it's through the wise counsel of other Christ followers. 
Sometimes it's through circumstances as well. But the good shepherd guides along the best paths, the right paths, the paths of righteousness. And he guides us in every detail. He guides us in terms of our relationships, our work, our finances, our play, every part of our life. It's usually when you look at at this declaration that he guides you along the good paths. This is the question I would encourage you to ask. Am I seeking out and following God's right paths? Am I seeking out and following God's right paths? If not, what corrective steps do I need to take? Third truth, then, is this. He is present and protective in the dark valleys. He's present and protective in the dark valleys. Verse 4 says, Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. For you're close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect me and comfort me. He says, even when I walk through the darkest valleys. He's not saying if I walk through dark valleys. He's saying when I do. There's this, there's this assertion that if you and I live on this planet, we will have times we walk through dark valleys. In fact, the King James Version translates that, the valley of the shadow of death, sometimes the darkest values. When I walk through those valleys... For many, COVID is one of those dark valleys. For many in this season or other seasons, it's health problems, it's job problems, it's money problems, it's relationship problems. The list could go on and on and on. When I walk through darkest valleys. But there's a key in this too. He says, even when I walk through the darkest valleys, when I walk through them, and my experience, and likely yours is or will be, there are times I walk through a dark valley unscathed. There are other times I walk through a dark valley wounded but prevailing. And there will come a time for me, there'll come a time for you, that I will be walking through the dark valley and I will walk through this thin veil of death into heaven. It's a case of, of we will walk through dark valleys, but we will walk through them. We will walk through the dark valleys. And he says, I'm not afraid as I'm in those dark valleys. I'm not afraid for two reasons. One, you're close to me, God. You, my shepherd, are close to me. You're intimately close to me as I walk through the valley. And your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. For a shepherd, a rod and a staff provided protection against uh, wild animals and other, other problems that one would face. And your rod and your staff protect me and comfort me. You have the means and the power to protect me in the darkest of valleys. When you focus on this verse, this truth on Wednesday, this is the question I would encourage you to ask. Am I drawing near to God in the easy times so that I know his protective presence in the hard times? When you land on this on on Wednesday, ask the question, am I drawing to him in the easy times so I will know his protective presence in the hard times? The fourth truth that um, the psalmist gives is that the shepherd provides this, he, he honors and blesses me beyond measure. He honors and blesses me beyond measure. Verse five says, you prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. He's saying, you will honor me in my faithfulness to you, even before, especially before those who oppose me. I found myself wondering for you, have you ever been mocked because you followed Jesus? Have you ever been made fun of for following him? Have you ever been opposed 
and attacked for following him. I, I have been, not often, but I have been. The question to pose on that day on Thursday is, is can you think of a time when God has honored you? When you sit with this on Thursday, can you think of a time that God has honored you for your faithful following of him as shepherd? And can you count all the ways God has blessed you? The psalmist writes, David writes, my cup overflows with blessings. Can you count all of the ways God has blessed you? Fifth truth is this. He continually pursues me with goodness and unfailing love. Verse 6, the first part of the verse says, Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. What's translated goodness and unfailing love, um, goodness is a consistent translation from from translation to translation, but but the unfailing love comes from the Hebrew word hesed. It's a word that is, is so rich in meaning, you can't land on a single English word that expresses it fully. And so the New Living Translation translates it unfailing love. The King James translates it mercy. The New American Standard Bible translates it loving kindness. And all of those are true. So so one could say, surely your goodness and unfailing love and mercy and loving kindness will pursue me all the days of my life. The King James says will follow me, but the Hebrew word actually is much stronger than follow, will pursue me all the days of my life. The shepherd is saying, if, if you're my sheep, then every single day I am pursuing you to, to lavish upon you goodness and unfailing love and mercy and loving kindness every single day of your life. So Friday would be the day you and I would, would focus on this truth. And this is what I would propose you ask. Do I sometimes run from the God who pursues me with goodness and unfailing love? Do I sometimes run from the God who pursues me with goodness and and unfailing love? The one whose full intent and full reality will be that, that he will lavish these good things upon me. If I run from him, why? Why would I run from him? Why would I not always turn toward him and always move toward him? And then finally, the the sixth and final statement and declaration of what the shepherd provides. He has given me heaven as my eternal home. He's given me heaven as my eternal home. The psalm ends with this statement, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. I will live in the house of the Lord forever. I sometimes I will, especially if it's been a a hard week or a hard season, I will reflect on or sometimes even turn to Revelation chapter 21 and 22. And I'll do that because I want to I get this bigger picture about what the great bulk of my existence will be about. Because I, I know this life on earth is such a small, it's just like, it's just a breath is the way God describes it. It's just a passing breath compared to eternity. And so whatever's going on in this breath of life on the planet, I want to be reminded of what the great, great picture of my life will be like in heaven. And so I'll turn to Revelation 21 and 22 and get this, this glimpse of the perfection and the wonder and grandeur of heaven and being in the very presence of the shepherd. So the question that, that I will be posing for myself on Saturday, and I hope you'll pose to yourself, is have I allowed this truth 
to change my life now. If I allowed this truth that I will live in the house of the Lord forever to change my life now, especially if I'm in one of those deep, dark valleys, have I allowed this to change my life now? Six verses in this psalm, it takes up about this much space on just one column in the Bible, have given comfort and hope and encouragement and courage for 3,000 years. It, it all begins, and this is today's focus. This is where I would hope you would spend some time later this day. It all begins with this intimate, personal, profound declaration of trust. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. Father, I thank you for the profound truths in this one simple psalm. I pray, Father, even now you would be gripping us with the potential of change in our lives. You'd be giving us this hope if we spend enough time, if we soak deeply enough on the truths here, that you will bring about a change within us that will be rich and meaningful and effective in our lives. So my hope and prayer is, Father, that each of us would spend some more time today focused on this very first declaration of faith and wrestle with that for ourselves. I pray tomorrow we'll get up and sometime during the day tomorrow we'll look at this first statement of, tr of supporting truth. We'll spend time around that and be touched by that and impacted and changed by that and so on as the week unfolds. Father, thank you for such profound richness in six simple verses. I have great hope and anticipation that you will work deeply in my life in the lives of every person in this virtual audience in these six verses today and through this week and far beyond. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.